Good morning, guys. Good morning to you on this December 4th morning. I hope you guys are doing amazing. Go Buffalo, looking good this week. Hope your team is doing well. Ours is doing okay. We're uh, on the move and uh, we're sitting in a good spot. Let's see what happens in the weeks to come. We're talking about I Love My Church, and um, I'm going to kind of move through the first part of this really quickly because I want to get to uh, what we're going to talk about today, and that is a continuation of what we talked about last week. And so foundational truths about why we love our church and what the church is about is very simple, that we are a part of something that God is doing on the planet after sin has has taken over. Sin has taken over the planet. The evil one, the devil, the god of this age is in temporary control of the the earth and what's going on here. But God has sent his son and through his son, his Holy Spirit. And now the church has been birthed on the earth 2000 years ago when Jesus came and set that up through the apostles. And now we are part of the called out ones, the ecclesia. Jesus is the authority. All belonging is because of Jesus. And, and all construction is the work of his hands. And the church is a lot of things. It's the body. It's the way. It's the only connection that we have to God. There is no connection to God outside of God's church that is by the power of the Holy Spirit living in us, part of his body. That's the only connection we have with God. The church is the bride. We're a bunch of misfits. We, are, we find forgiveness in the church. There is truth in the church. The church is like a potluck. We, we, we all bring something different to the table. And uh, all of our unique gifts and talents and abilities, all God can use for his glory. And also we find answers to every critical question asked on the planet. All the important questions of the world we find in the church because in the church we have the truth, which is the word of God. And so we love the church because we find answers to questions that everybody in the world is asking, including ourselves. And God deals with every issue known to man. From the beginning of time to this very moment, God has dealt with every issue, at least the foundational part of every issue we will ever have. So God deals with these things and we, we find ourselves in this world asking these big questions. And these big life questions have eternal significance to them. They are a matter of life and death. They truly are. If, if, if we don't understand the truth of what God is doing, we will be on the outside looking in. And eternity is coming. And so eternal separation from God is not where you want to end up. It's not where I want to end up. It's not where anyone should want to end up. But unfortunately, because the devil has blinded so many people's eyes, they don't even ask the questions. Therefore, they're not finding the answers and they're not seeking the truth and God's truth for their life. And they are, they are living outside of the presence of God. They, they truly are living on this earth apart from having God living in them. 
And so we asked several questions. Where did God come from? We dealt with that a few weeks ago. We dealt with the question, why did God make us? Like, like why did he even do all this? And then last week we started on this topic, what's next? We asked the question, what's next? This is question number three. And we, we, we dealt with part of the question or the answer last week. And I want to finish that up this weekend. What happens when we exit the planet? Like when we check out of this world, what else is out there for us? What is, what is waiting for you? When, when they put you in that casket and your friends and family come and say goodbye and they lower you into a ground or they cremate your body and sprinkle you all over Niagara Falls, what is next? What is going to happen to you, the you, the real you, the spirit, soul you, who is truly you, not the outside vessel flesh that's going to perish? But what will happen to you? See, people want to know these things. Everybody wants to know these things. We need to know these things. And um, we also then need to be ready to help other people answer these big, big questions. So that we are, we're, we're ready to hold on to the truth of God for our own life. And that brings confidence into our life. It brings the sense of knowing that we know the creator of the universe and we're living our lives in line with him and his truth. And we're connected to his church. We're connected to him. We're connected through the Holy Spirit. We're connected through the word of God that we read and study and we're living our lives according to it. But So we're holding firmly to the word of truth, but we also want to hold the word of truth out for others so that other people can come into this understanding of what God has done for us and how much he means to us. So what's next? What might the scriptures tell us about the afterlife? What do we, what do we enter? Like, where do we go? What's going to happen? And I started uh, digging into three key words uh, that will answer the question and help anyone that is asking this question to understand what's next. Three key words, and we dug into the, one, the first one last week. And the first word to answer the question, what's next, is this word, eternity is next. That's what's next. Eternity is next. We will be changed. We will be, or we will take on like eternal bodies. When we leave this planet, when we check out, when we die, when we, when the flesh gives up and it goes, turns back into the dust of the ground, we will take on eternal bodies. Eternity is what's next for everybody in the world. And we said in this passage, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. There's the direction of one group of people, but have eternal life. That would be the direction of the other people. When they enter into eternity, there's destruction and there's life. Those are the only two places that every one of us will end up when we check out of earth. When we leave the planet, 
You're going to enter eternity. And in eternity, it's either eternal destruction in hell or it's eternal life with God in heaven. And so in eternity, some are going to perish. In fact, the Bible says, wide is the road that leads to destruction. In other words, most of the people are not going to make it out of here headed for eternal life. And that should give us reason to be upset, to be, to be a little ticked off, to be a little bit um, mad at what is going to happen to a lot of our people, our friends, our family, our neighbors, people on this planet are going to end up in eternal destruction simply because they have never received Jesus Christ as Lord of, of their life, or they have never been told, or somebody never shared it with them, people right next to us that we could take the time to share it with or figure out ways to creatively get that subject talked about so that we have opportunity to share this truth with them. Many of those people are going to spend eternity separated from God forever and ever and ever, and others are going to enter into life. And we saw the passage in Luke 23, um, Jesus and the two criminals on the cross, and Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. And we talked about that word paradise last week, kind of compared paradise to this beautiful garden, the Garden of Eden. It also has a spiritual idea of Abraham's bosom or heaven, paradise. And the opposite word, so if this is paradise, we'll keep it on my right side. Paradise in heaven and all that is good is over here. The opposite of that is a place called Gehenna. It's a place of death, a stench. It's a graveyard outside the city of Jerusalem where dead bodies were tossed and children sacrificed to foreign gods. It represents, it's a valley of death and it represents hell. And so there's eternal life and there's eternal destruction. There's, there's paradise and there's Gehenna. There's heaven, there's hell. However you want to describe them, they all have the same meaning for two separate places. Eternal life, eternal death. Eternal truth and eternal the presence of God and separated from God for all of eternity in a place of destruction and eternal torment. And uh, we're going to look into this, and we're going to look into this more, a little bit more next week. And I'll tell you a little bit about that. So what's next? So what's next? What awaits us? Let me give you the second word. The first word is eternity. The second word about what's next is this, and it's actually two words, resurrection and judgment. So what happens when we check out of this place? We enter eternity. And what happens in that, in that moment or in that time? resurrection. You are going to rise and you're going to be judged. Those two things are going to happen in the immediate moment of what's next. Resurrection as in coming back to life. In the resurrection, Jesus conquers the grave. He conquers death. The punishment of death for all mankind is satisfied. And then the same power that raised Jesus from the 
from the dead is now living in those who have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. The Holy Spirit has come into our lives and now we too have the same power to rise from the dead, to conquer the grave and death. And Jesus will give life to our bodies. He will give life to us. We'll be changed from mortal bodies to immortal bodies, eternal bodies. There will be a resurrection. That's what's coming. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven, First Thessalonians says, and a loud command with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we are still alive and our left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever, forever. We will be with the Lord there's going to be a resurrection and there's going to be a judgment. Judgment is standing before God. We will all stand toe to toe before the God of all creation. And we will all, every one of us, give an account for the lives that we lived on this earth. It's called the judgment seat of Christ, where Jesus will rule and where Jesus will judge all men. See, when we check out of here, you and I are going to rise into eternity, and we will be judged by the lives that we lived on this earth. This is what's going to happen next. Hebrews 9 says, it is appointed for man and woman, for people, mankind, to die once. That's the physical death. And after that, you will come before Jesus in the judgment. Judgment is what's next when you die. See, this is what's next. This is what's next, a resurrection and a judgment. Now, there's been some paintings and pictures out there. I don't know. I hope you can see this pretty good um, about what that might look like or what it's going to be like in heaven or pictures of heaven and pictures of judgment and pictures of the rapture and pictures of all these different kinds of things. We don't really know, obviously. We could just do the best that we can. And I thought this picture kind of gives us a little idea. It's going to be like some wow factor moment where it's just going to be like, whoa, uh, what is going on? This is incredible. And it's going to be for those who are waiting for Christ and seeking Jesus, who live for him. It is going to be a wow that is beautiful and glorious and gorgeous. And for those who are not waiting for Jesus, who are not living their lives for the Lord right now, it is not going to be a pretty day. It's going to be an ugly day. It's going to be a day of darkness and gloom. It's going to be a day of regret and fear. It's going to be a day where people say, I didn't give my life to Christ. It's going to be a day where people are going to say, I should have listened to my friend, my neighbor. There's going to be a couple different reactions. In Acts chapter um, 24, Paul is in Caesarea in the book of Acts. And Paul is accused of being, you're never going to guess it, a troublemaker. Paul is being accused of being a troublemaker. Now, Paul is a lot like most of us. We are all troublemakers. But Paul is being accused of being a troublemaker because he's preaching about Jesus. He's trying to tell people the truth 
of what is and what is to come. And so they have brought in a guy by the name of Tertullus, who is a lawyer, and he is trying to wax eloquent about how Paul is guilty of disturbing the crowds and disturbing people and teaching false doctrine. And Paul is going to make his defense before the governor, whose name is Felix. And just check out what Paul says. Like the whole story is cool, you should read it. But what Paul says in this context is really important. Paul says, however, he's going to defend himself. I admit that I worship the God of our ancestors. Notice he says, our ancestors, the religious leaders. Paul was once one of them, a Pharisee. And he says, as a follower of the way. Now that's the church. That's the early church that they have come to know, that they have identified these Christians that are coming together in what is called the church that they refer to as the way. And Paul says, as a follower of the way, which they call, you guys call, a sect. A sect. It's a sect that has started about Jesus and these people who follow Jesus. Paul said, I believe everything that is in accordance with the law and that is written in the prophets. Paul's saying, we are like lined up. We are in agreement. And I have the same hope in God as these men themselves have that... There will be, look what he says, a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and men. Just look at what Paul says for a minute. He says, look, we're in agreement, religious leaders. I agree with you. I follow the law of Moses I believe in the prophets, just like you do. And we also agree that there is going to be a resurrection. There's going to be a resurrection one day. And we all know this. They believed it then, 2,000 years ago. They believed this. They knew it. They understood it from the scriptures. Nobody ever doubted it or questioned it. Paul says there's going to be a resurrection of the righteous. The righteous, my right hand. And of the wicked. There it is, those two. There's going to be the righteous are going to rise and the wicked are going to rise and one's going to go to heaven and one's going to go to eternal hell and punishment. And Paul is basically saying, look, we will all, every one of us, will stand before the Lord. We are all going to stand before. This is what's next. We're going to stand before the Lord. If you want to know what the Bible teaches about the future, your future, my future, our future, then what you need to know is there will be a resurrection and a judgment. That's what's on the menu for what's next. We're going to enter eternity and we're going to be, we're going to rise and we're going to be judged. That is what's going to happen. Now, now we, we get to choose until that moment happens for now, we get to choose how we will live our lives. God has given you free will and a mind and in the opportunity to choose if you're going to honor him and live for him or you're going to just do your own thing. You are free to do what you want. You are free to live it up if you want. God's word is telling us, though, that there will be a day of reckoning. There is coming a day of of reckoning where you will stand before the Lord. And the time to prepare for the day of reckoning is right now. In John chapter 11, Lazarus, Jesus's friend, dies. And he's been dead for four days. 
Finally, Jesus comes to town, to the town of Bethany, and everyone there is torn up still about Lazarus, their friend who died. Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, are there and they're weeping and they're crying. And Martha comes out of the house to meet Jesus. And she says to him, Lord, like, where have you been? If you were here, Lord, my brother would not have died. And Jesus says to her, Martha, your brother will rise again. And Martha, this is so telling of Martha and it's so telling of the people of the day. Martha says, Lord, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. She's like, I understand this. We all kind of understand that the knowledge of the day was there is a resurrection coming. Nobody questioned that. Martha says, yeah, I know. I know he will rise again at the resurrection of the, uh, the last day. And in verse 25, Jesus says to her, I am. I am the resurrection and the life. Not just there's a day coming when there will be a resurrection and we will enter eternity and be judged. But Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. You want to rise to life? It will only be through Jesus. So Jesus is saying, I'm it. I'm the resurrection and the life. You have to come through me. He says, the one who believes in me will live. Even though they die, and whoever lives and believing in me will never die. And he said, Martha, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe that there's going to be a resurrection? That one day, either Christ is going to come and we're going to rise to judgment then? Or, or one day you're going to die and you're going to enter eternity and then you're going to stand before the Lord? and be judged. Do you believe this? Martha believes this. These people all knew this. Lazarus was asleep. Jesus said, he's sleeping. He's sleeping. We use that term when we go to bed, right? We go to bed, we fall asleep, we kind of go unconscious, and we wake up the next morning. Death to a Christian is equal to asleep. You are sleeping, but that he would wake up and be in heaven because of his faith in Jesus. That Lazarus would die, be dead or asleep for four days, and Jesus now is going to raise him from the dead and call him out of the tomb. So he's going to rise in heaven, just not on this day. On this day, Lazarus is going to rise and have to come back into the world and live like the rest of us in the flesh. But the resurrection, when you rise from your death in heaven, it will be as though you fell asleep and now you woke up in heaven, in eternity. You're going to wake up in eternity. What's next? What's next? There's a resurrection and there is a judgment day coming and every one of us will stand before the Lord on judgment day like the sheep and the goats. Remember in Matthew 25, Jesus tells about the sheep and the goats. Again, the sheep on the right, the goats on the left. The sheep and the goats, right? And we're going to be judged according to our faith in Christ. Either we are one of the Lord's sheep or we are a rebellious goat 
that has not accepted Jesus Christ and is still in our rebellion against him? Is Jesus really our savior, not just the one who died for us and gave us grace, but is he also your Lord? Are, are, are you lining your life up under his lordship? It's about the lordship of Jesus. Is he the king of your life? He's going to say to all of us, I was hungry. I was thirsty. I was naked. I was stranger. I was in prison. And either you cared for me or you didn't care for me. That's going to determine the sheep and the goats. Are we living our lives under the lordship of Jesus and doing what he said or are we not? See, here's the thing. There's sheep and there are goats and that's all there are. There's only two kinds of people. There are only two kinds of people. And yeah, the devil has divided all kinds of people based on race and skin color and religion and politic and nationality. But in the end, there are only two kinds of people. The lost who remain in their sin, who have not received Jesus Christ as Lord, they will be gathered on his left. They are the goats. And then there are those who have been forgiven of their sin. They, they understand that they are sinners separated from God and their sin had to be dealt with and they have placed their faith in Jesus and they have become sheep to the shepherd and they have trusted Jesus for salvation and forgiveness. See, the good news of the gospel is this. We have a great hope, and the hope is still available to anyone. And in Jesus, we become like fireproof. In Jesus, we are saved from the flames. In John chapter 5, Jesus heals this crippled man at the pool. Remember the story? And the religious leaders are questioning Jesus, and they're not happy with Jesus because he did something good on the Sabbath. And so here's what happens. Jesus gave them this answer when they questioned him. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. That's a good way to live. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Very truly, Jesus says, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death into life that is pretty cool see this is the beauty this is the beautiful thing about being in christ jesus makes you fireproof he makes you fireproof in Christ and only in Jesus, we attach ourselves to Jesus, we escape, we escape 
the wrath and the judgment of God. We will stand before God. They will come to the judgment seat of God. And Jesus will say to those who love Christ, who are in Christ, Jesus will say, forgiven, covered in my blood, enter into my glory. See, we won't have to pay the penalty for our own sin because we have accepted Jesus who paid the penalty for anyone's sin. There is now, the scripture says, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, there's only two kinds of people and both will be resurrected and judged. Some to life in Christ and others to eternal destruction. In that passage, Matthew 25, with the sheep and the goats, Jesus said, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So there's only two kinds of people, those who will be saved and those who will not be saved. Oh, it's a big question. It's a huge question, this what's next it's a question that everybody better ask. It's a question everybody must ask. It's a question that we've got to get people to a point in their life where they ask what's next so that we can then tell them what's next. Here's what happens when we die. Here's what's going to happen when we check out of this place. Check out what the Bible says. See what Jesus says about this. What's next? Two things are next. Eternity is next. Resurrection and judgment is next. And both of these, both of these are like a warning and a promise from God that be warned, these things are coming. And also it's a promise God is saying these things are coming. Like get ready for them. Now's the time to get ready. Prepare now. What's next? The third word I want to share with you and this last one is this. What's next after this life? Well, a mansion in heaven. A mansion in heaven is what's next. A place of such glory and beauty, far beyond anything you have ever, ever, ever imagined or dreamt. A wonderful place, more, more than anything you have ever seen or you could ever even imagine in your mind's eye. No eye, the scripture says, no ear has heard, no eye has seen. No heart has imagined all that God has in store for those who love and who serve him. Heaven, this mansion in heaven is going to be incredible. The bad news is this though. For those who disobey, for those who don't give their life to Christ, for those who have not lined up under his lordship, there is only eternal punishment waiting for them. That's the sad and the bad news. And there are a lot of people moving in that direction. They're going straight down the path that leads to destruction and they don't want anything to do, some of them, with God. They don't want anything to do with truth. They want to live their own life. They want to flaunt their sin in your face and in my face and in everyone's face. And they want to have a takeover of sorts as if the devil hasn't already taken over the world. He has. But they want to be a part of this takeover where they get to do and make the rules and do whatever they want. They don't want to obey God's laws. And that's the bad news.
There are people who will be separated from God for eternity, forever and ever. But for those who obey the teachings of Jesus, for those who obey the teachings of Jesus, I hope you can see kind of this vision, this, this idea of, of how beautiful and how glorious this mansion is being prepared for you who love the Lord Jesus. There will be a feast like no other, a thanksgiving that will blow your mind, a wedding banquet specially prepared for the bride, the bride of Christ, his glorious church. If he made all that you and I know on this earth and all the wonders of the world in six days, can you imagine what God is preparing for the last 2,000 years? I can't even imagine. Oh man, oh, I, I hope, I hope and pray today that you have this confidence in your heart, that, you, that your confidence and your trust and your life is completely lined up with Jesus and you are living your life for the Lord and that your link of faith to him is secure, that you are holding on to him with everything in you, all your decisions, all your finances, all your money, all your resources, everything about you is about God and using it for his glory. Oh man, I hope, I hope you have this confidence. I hope you have the kind of confidence that says, I am looking forward to Christ coming to this earth and all this being done with and going to spend eternity in this mansion in heaven. How incredible, how incredible. And I'm eagerly awaiting it. Let me just share with you three truths about our mansion. Number one, number one, heaven is a real and glorious place in the eternal spiritual realm, in a totally different realm, in the spirit realm, it is as real as everything that we know and see here on this earth. Jesus is encouraging his disciples in John 14. It's a crazy time. It's the end of his ministry. There's a lot going on. And in John 14, Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many, many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place that I am going. Jesus is like, I'm out of here. I'm going there, I'm going to prepare a place, and I'm going to come back one day, and I'm going to take you, and you're going to be with me there. Look, I came here, and I've been with you, and now I'm going to come here and take you, and you will be with me. This is a real glorious place. It is no mistake. This is not some dream. This is not just some vision. This is not just some, some thing out there over the rainbow, some wish, click your heels together kind of thing. This is real. This is going to be glorious. This is going to be eternal. And he's preparing this place for you in heaven. And he will keep his promise when he said he would. Just check it out. The prophets... They said that Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, would come, and he came the first time. He said that he would show us the Father, and he has. 
He said he would die and he did. He said he would rise and he rose. He said he would ascend and he ascended. He said he would prepare a place for us and he is. He said he will come back and he will come back soon and very, very soon. This place is real and it's no joke. In Acts chapter one, <coughs> Jesus ascends to heaven and the, the, the angels say to the men, the disciples that are there, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven, he's going to come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. Jesus is coming back and he's going to take you to be with him. Number two, second truth about these three truths about your mansion in heaven for those who love him. Number two is this, it will be a new heaven where we will dwell with God forever. That's what it's going to be forever. A long, 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 eternal time with no time, with no ending forever, where everything, everything is made new. Revelation chapter 21, then I saw a new heaven. John the Revelator, he's seeing this vision from Jesus, from God, and he sees this new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. It's gone. And there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. All that was will be no more. The hate, the division, the segregation, all of it will be gone. Jesus says, behold, I make all things new. It's going to be a new heaven. Of the physical description of this spiritual and eternal place called heaven is magnificent. In, in Revelation, John continues, and you, you have to read John 21. This, this is a, a place of such glory. And again, I hope you can see this. A place of just glory and light and gold and every jewel and gem and color imaginable. It will be the most beautiful place. Let me read a few things about the description that John gives us in Revelations 21 about the angel who talked to him. He had this measuring rod and then the city is like 1400 miles wide and long and high and deep. It's huge. 1,400 miles in every direction. This is a huge, beautiful city. And whether that's a physical 1,400 miles or just a description that is beyond our ability to even wonder and imagine, doesn't matter. It's going to be magnificent. He says the walls are made of jasper and the city of pure gold. And he says the great city, uh, the great street of the city was of gold as of pure, transparent gold. You got to read the description in John 20 or Revelation 21 that John gives us. It will be a display of such glory and such beauty way beyond our capacity to even understand. 
right? I can only imagine. We can only imagine. And so God gives to John to give to us this description that is beyond our ability to even imagine. It's so beautiful and big and huge and amazing. And the best that I think John could do is put it in physical terms for us to go, whoa, that's bigger than anything we have ever known, seen, heard. It's so glorious and amazing beyond our scope of understanding. Because it truly will be. It truly will be. The third thing is this. The third truth about our mansion is this. Heaven is a place of permanent citizenship, right? Permanent citizenship. No longer will we be like aliens and foreigners and strangers in this land. We're not at home on this planet, right? We're not home here. This is not our place. This is not our permanent place. We will be home there in our mansion with the Lord forever. We will be with him. Philippians chapter 3 verse 20 says this. But our citizenship, our citizenship, even right now with the Holy Spirit living in us, our citizenship is in heaven. <clears throat> Check the files. My name's written there. When I gave my life to Christ and I surrendered to him and I'm living my life to honor him, obedient and obedient children of God, your name's on the file. And we eagerly await a savior from there. He's coming again the second time. The Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will change us. He's going to transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. We will enter into a new eternal place. We will be changed. We will have this new body, not one of flesh and blood, but an eternal body like his glorious body. First Corinthians says in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trump will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and they will be changed. We will be changed. Death will be swallowed up in victory. Ephesians, Paul says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but now you are fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. Oh man, wow. We, we are citizens. We are citizens with the eternal God, built together with God's people, fellow citizens with his people, the prophets and the apostles and Jesus himself, all of us together as citizens of the kingdom of God, a permanent dwelling place with God forever, who lives in us by his Holy Spirit now and forever. What's next? What's next? You ask, what's next? What's next when I leave this world? What's next when I leave this planet, when I check out of here, when I die? What's next? Is it something to fear? Is it something to be afraid of? Is it going to be scary? Is it going to hurt? What's next? Look no further than Jesus. He came from eternity. He lived in the time and space that we do and among us. He died in the flesh and he was buried. He resurrected from the dead and he ascended back to heaven. He's preparing a mansion for you, for those who follow him with all their heart, all their mind, all their soul, and all their strength. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is what's next. 
Jesus is what's next. Hebrew 9 says, just as people are destined to die once and after that to face the judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many and he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. If you are among those who serve the Lord Jesus, if you are among those who love the Lord Jesus, if you are among those who are waiting for the Lord Jesus, then you know, you know what's next. You know what's next. I love the church. I hope you love the church. And I'm excited next week. I want to share a message with you guys. I'm going to be gone physically from here to be with my kids in Gatlinburg and we're going to have a great time celebrating the holidays together as a family but I'll I got a special message for you guys on TV for the 11th and and here's what it's going to be about I want to share this message because it's I think it's really important it, it's called this what's just before what's next so we've just been talking about what's next Eternity, resurrection, judgment, a mansion in heaven. That's what's next. Well, what's going to happen just before what's next? And I, I'm excited to share that message with you. I hope you come back next week and, and, and tune into that. But I love the church because it's God's. All of it is his. All rule, all authority, all belonging, all of it is his. And in the church, God answers every important question that anybody on the planet ever has, will, or live, or future live, will ever ask. God has already dealt with the issues, the most important ones. And this is why I love the church, because I can find the answers that everyone is, uh, questions that everyone's asking, and that I myself am asking in my own heart, what's next? And God has the answer. And I'm so glad that he does. God bless you guys. Have a great week. And we'll see you. I'll see you guys next, next week. Take care.